Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with friends of the podcast, Maxis Global Benefits Network. I am really excited about what we have in store for the next 20 minutes as we will be looking back on more than a year of COVID-19 and the impact it has had on captive employee benefit programs and what it might mean for the future as well. We have two professionals at the very, very top of their game to talk us through this in Matu Ru, CEO of Maxis and Mark Cook, director at Willis Towers Watson. Matu and then Mark begin by telling us what they think the biggest lessons learned from the pandemic have been to date. My biggest lesson is that it, that it has accelerated trends that we had started to see already before the pandemic. First one, our clients, our multinational clients, are going towards a much more centralized approach. They want to have a better oversight of what's happening around the world for their employees. So they want global insight, they want more governance, more control, a better governance model, which is definitely those who had already this kind of model benefited better during the crisis have been able to be more reactive, more responsive, and they be able to adapt the, the coverage we are providing to their employees more quickly. The second trend, I would say, is a, a shift in focus that we had seen before, which was going toward the more, more importance of the duty of care of the employers, you know, moving from being just a providing some insurance coverage to being able also to care for their employees and making sure that they are staying healthy. Us as an insurance provider, we are not there to pay just the bills, but we are here to partner also with the employers to make sure that people are going to stay healthy. You know, there is this uh, uh, stronger awareness that uh, having keeping the uh, a number, uh, a workforce healthy is better for the long-term performance of the company. So we have seen a shift toward more preventative services, uh, more education on health and wellness, and uh, delivery of more programs related to prevention, wellness. And this has been, we have seen a surge in requests during the, the pandemics around global solutions like telemedicine, like employee assistance program, to address mental health issues. So we have seen the, a, a big shift here on these topics. And then the third one, a uh, third trend is around flexibility. More and more global clients want to have a global solution that the, the global head office can roll out to all employees, but at the same time, they are mindful that there are some local needs which can be different from markets to market. So they need to, uh, they need to adapt and to, to manage this tension between a global need, global control, global oversight, but flexible solution adapted to uh, the local needs. All of that, Matu, I think I, I concur with. We've seen that as well at Willis Towers Watson and our clients. I think there's two things I would add here. For us, a lot of us who are office-based, this has been quite tough, juggling stuff in our work lives, stuff in our personal lives, and that blurring has disappeared of those lines, that compartmentalization of work and, and home life is, is blurred. And I think that's translated into the business world. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. Some of the areas that we see are developing. From a business perspective, the companies, the clients, there's winners and losers in the pandemic. People have done really well because of what's happened. People have not done well and they've had to make huge 
cost containments, business decisions, reorganization. And I think out of all of that, because of the pandemic, there's a couple of things. Data that Matu has talked about is key. Making informed decisions has been key. But what I think has been really promoted is the quickness needed in decision making to help businesses progress, survive, um, go through, uh, follow up on their growth or business strategies. So I think that's been a key thing for me in terms of lessons and takeaways, data informed decisions, but the quickness to get both of those in order. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I think that that point about the blurring of the lines between personal life and work life is something everyone can certainly uh, empathize with after the last 18 months or so. Matu, before we can uh, go further into uh, other uh, kind of more detailed areas, maybe a good idea would be for you to tell us just which employee benefits lines are we talking about, which were kind of really directly impacted by the pandemic over the past year or so? We see a mixed bag. So, you know, we operate uh, with our clients on several business lines, so medical, uh, but also life uh, coverage and disability. So I would, I would, uh, I would summarize what we're seeing along um, on these three lines of business. I would say medical, it's, uh, it's a bit unclear where, what the direct impact is. Obviously, we have seen a lot of claims uh, suppression where people have postponed their procedure for non-urgent care. Uh, non-urgent procedures. But at the same time, we have seen some increase in inpatient care driven by uh, COVID. So all in all, it depends actually what actually is provided by, what is covered by the employers. Uh, in some market, only inpatient is covered by private insurance companies. And here, well, the, we, we, we have seen in some markets some trends toward more uh, consumptions and uh, higher, uh, uh, higher medical uh, claims during the year. But I would say the general trend was to see claim suppression on the legal side, so savings on medical during the year. We need to be careful because it's more a postponement of uh, procedures, so we could expect some pickup in uh, procedures in the coming future, so we need to be uh, very careful here. And that's where we are working very closely with our clients to uh, making sure that they had that in mind, that it was more a postponement of uh, treatment. Then on life side, um, sad fact that the pandemic has claimed millions of lives, obviously, but not many of them were working age. So it's mostly resulted in mortality for the elderly. So we have not seen a big impact on our portfolio with our clients, although it's worth remembering that Many will have dependents on their life insurance policies, or we cover some uh, retirees as well. So it's not, uh, th- there's been some impact as well, of course. And then there is the other line of business, which is disability. Here, the general trend is to, well, expect to, to increase with COVID and long COVID, especially. And again, the situation here depends country by, by country because sometimes the cost of a furlough was spotted by government, sometimes by private insurance companies. So you have different situations. But I would say the general trend is to have a disability experience worsening with COVID at the moment. Mark, Mathieu touched a little bit there on the disability side of things. How has the pandemic impacted absence, mental health and disability challenges? And how have corporates being able to respond with their with their captive programs at the start of the pandemic we we started to touch on this and this subject to me is about really about absence it's about employees 
And part of that is mental health. Part of that is potentially disability. So it's the absence piece. How do, how do employers and employees or people, talent, manage the absence bit? I'll take a step back and I'll, I'll, I'll give a few thoughts about what the situation, what we're seeing now. We're seeing disability plans, particularly the longer tail risk plans in certain markets. So the long tail risk worsening. And we're seeing that there's those numbers start to come through because of pandemic enhanced by pandemic. And that is the mental health piece, the mental stress, the anxiety piece. We're starting to see those claims come through on disability plans. And we're also seeing the musculoskeletal impact of COVID, office workers being at home, workers outside in the workplace being stretched as well. So those musculoskeletal claims are coming through as well. And we're seeing them hitting disability and obviously impacting absence, impacting productivity, impacting engagement. We're also seeing, starting to see the increases in pricing of LTD, long-term disability plans. Some of our clients, in, for example, in GB in UK, are seeing 100% increases. So there are big numbers. We're seeing interest rates at an all-time low, have been compounded for a while. That's impacting these plans as well, because they depend on reserves build up as well. We're seeing, as, as part of all of that sort of worsening, let's say, of those disability plans, we're seeing them being less attractive for our captive clients because of the unknowns, the exposure piece. So I think there's a lot going on in the disability plans. We're seeing the absence stats in many countries start to increase. So companies struggling to manage that. I think the long-term disability effect is unknown. And so that's beginning to factor into the pricing, beginning to factor into whether people think it's too risky. And I think a lot of our a lot of our conversations at the end of last year about captives EB and about this year's L, the disability book within those captives is let's take be caution cautious let's be monitoring let's be thoughtful on what we do this year on those plans. At the very start of the episode, Mark Matu touched upon the pandemic has kind of only emphasised further some of the existing trends and kind of drivers of, of captive pre programmes which we would already seen pre-pandemic. Maybe it'd be good for you to give us some, some detail on how uh, existing captive employee benefits programmes have provided any kind of short-term advantages for those clients, those insureds, who, were, who have been dealing with the initial disruption of the pandemic 12, 18 months ago? I think there's two things I would say here. One is at the start, these models, these clients moved quickly on your insurable employee benefits, life, disability, medical in particular, around where do we have gaps in our world? Where do we have exclusions in any of those policies? And they moved quickly with their preferred providers like Amaxis and looked at their world. There were some exclusions in some places, the providers responded in many markets and said, okay, we, we will waive those exclusions and we will pay out if it's a pandemic-related death or claim in medical, etc. Where those claims weren't waived, or those exclusions, sorry, weren't waived, there's a process there for captive, for client, for employer to say, do we do anything? Do we say we'll interject and we'll support the local business because the local insurance policy is not paying out. And we saw lots of that activity, especially at the start of last year, the pandemic started into the first six months. So excratia claims or paying additional funding to a business through the captive model. So I think there's two things. Yes, 
the quickness to identify exclusions and gaps. Should we be worried? And the second one, let's get involved, make an informed decision, support business if we think it's the right thing to do where there is an exclusion. The two things clearly at the start were beneficial from the from having an EB captive model. Yeah, so that's the flexibility that the captive gives you on the on the claim side. If the, if the ultimate parent wants wants to use that flexibility, I imagine it, it's up to them. But that that's obviously good to hear. Matu, on the uh, kind of wellness side, how are you seeing captives being used to to finance enhanced wellness programs in this environment to keep employees happy, healthy, and engaged? Well, we have seen a, uh, we have seen a lot of initiatives there, uh, and the fact that it's uh, uh, an employer have a, cap- a captive in place make that easier actually to uh, to roll out so uh, we have seen successful uh, multinationals react to the covid crisis by implementing or enhancing global wellness initiative with basically telemedicine mental health support and employee assistance programs so eaps if i take them actually one by one telemedicine well yeah, non-COVID patients were at times unable to receive in-person treatment from hospitals or clinics. Uh, so many routine checkups and screenings were postponed. So uh, telemedicine was very helpful. It allowed employees to safely access healthcare in their own home. So that's why we have seen so much demand and that's why you have seen telemedicine dramatically uh, develop in all markets around the world. And at Maxis, we have been able to support our uh, clients in rolling out global telemedicine programs all around the world. The second aspect is EAP, Employee Assistance Program. Yeah, it can provide employees with financial advice to relieve the stress of the of economic hardship with trained psychiatrists on, uh, or on hand to help people navigate through this climate of anxiety, uncertainty. And again, we have seen that across the board. So uh, fortunately, we were able to uh, provide some, uh, um, some programs here, EAP, addressing these mental health uh, issues. I would add something also on chronic disease management and musculoskeletal topics. Mark addressed that a bit earlier. Yes, there's been a lot of musculoskeletal impact during pandemics. It has proven, you know, the continuation of uh, any chronic disease or musculoskeletal condition management programs has proven to be uh, critical uh, during the pandemics. Millions of people working from home, hunched over kitchen tables or using non-economic equipment and not able to follow their normal treatment plans. So these programs have been providing vital supports to patients through, uh, for example, we have been rolled out some one-to-one virtual coaching sessions. We started in goal setting and continuing self-monitoring. This has become really critical for a lot of our clients and their employees. It costs a huge amount every year in equal claims and absenteeism. So managing this is very, very, very important and will be even more important with a new way of working in the future. Yeah, and, and talking about the future then, Mark, we are starting, um, well, I say we, uh, governments, health authorities are starting to gather more data on the impact of what we're calling long COVID. Will this need to be factored into kind of future wellness programs and, and risk financing decisions of uh, captive EB owners? I think we're starting to see that now, Richard. Um, I think it's early days. If I think about your question in reverse, so you talk about risk financing and wellness, I think we're starting to see so the long-term effects of COVID around two things, claims, exposure, and mitigation. 
And if you think about what's happening with the insurers and with the captives that reinsure EB, at the end of last year, we we're starting to see COVID loadings. And COVID loadings are really, we're sort of in patches in certain markets. Now we're seeing it as pretty much normal in many markets. And these loadings are really in place because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know the knee-jerk reaction for the medical plans. This year is going to be interesting. We don't know what's going to happen on the disability plans, the stuff I just talked through earlier. So there's the, the, the COVID loading is really an unknown additional uh, price that's being levied on, on these plans. So I'd say that was certainly a, an effect that we're seeing now. If I think about mitigation then in the risk financing decision, I see companies, clients, captive models starting to think about how they can support the business more. So should we pay for vaccines for my employees? Should we pay for dependents, etc., who are affected by markets that are slow on the vaccine rollout? There's obviously a question around whether that's right or wrong. We see some markets saying if you pay, if you have an employee that you're going to pay for, you have to pay for a local as well. So it's not jumping in the queue as such. Is that There's an ethical piece to this as well. But we're also seeing, okay, if you do that, second order effects from vaccine who pays for the medical treatment if someone reacts is that the typical coverage is that supplemental coverage does a captive get involved lots of questions around this it's quite an interesting discussion with our clients on this should we pay for testing Um, a lot of employers have employees that have to be out and about servicing their clients do they need a request Uh, do they need a test to be able to do that in some markets it's mandatory in some markets it's not so we're seeing a lot of discussion around this and how models can support that so I do think, yes, it's very important to think about the long-term COVID effects around the risk financing decision. And then if I think about the well-being bit, pandemic has taken a big toll on everybody, employers, employees, and the well-being bit. We've, we've, Matthew and I have talked about this throughout this, I think, throughout this, and physical, social, emotional, and financial for a lot of people. And we're starting to see companies on this piece react and say, okay, there's a demand for well-being of care caregivers within a family unit so we're starting to think see those programs being enhanced because of covid because of long-term effects we're starting and the telemedicine the telebehavioral health services we're starting to see explode to help offer uh, services around and education around stress and anxiety that's long-term covid related as well in many cases so i think richard there's lots going on at the moment now and there's lots of planning to do yeah and it's certainly apparent that the pandemic has only and would only have pushed employee benefits up the agenda uh, for corporates if it wasn't already uh, very high up the agenda before matto do you think the pandemic then has has it prompted more interest in the captive approach on the employee benefits program topic oh yes definitely the pandemic has seen has proved that there is a much much increased importance of employee benefit on the agenda of the corporates. You know, previously wellness, let's go back to wellness. Wellness was sometimes seen as a nice to have. Now it's a must have. It's at the top of the HR uh, uh, agenda, especially for multinationals looking to winning the what we often call the war for talent, but also those who want to control better their healthcare costs. So. Uh, when you put a captive program in place, it's definitely because you want to also better finance your uh, your EB coverage. So uh, this is spot on. And employers have realized that keeping their employees as healthy as possible is absolutely needed. So we saw 
a lot of multinational organizations rapidly revamping the global employee benefit models to make sure that employees had the right coverage in place, as well as adding some digital employee benefits. So there's been much more interest. Coming back to the winning the war for talent with EB, uh, we had at Maxis conducted a research in uh, uh, last summer, 2020 summer, canvassing the opinion of some uh, 1,000 senior executives and employees in 10 countries, including the UK, Australia, UAE, Germany, the US, Brazil were there as well. And it found that 46% of employees thought COVID-19 had made them reappraise the value of a benefits package when deciding to stay with or to join a, a new employer. So you see, this is uh, higher up on the agenda. It has to be. 2020 has been, as we said, challenging for lots of people. So it's hardly surprising it has taken a toll on mental health. Uh, in this research, we, 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 we saw that 63% of employees in Europe uh, experiencing an increase in work-relating stress. So again, this is uh, another call for uh, rolling out some uh, wellness program, mental health program across a multinational organization. So yes, this is very high on the agenda. I think we will see more and more uh, captive program with including EB there. In the last year, since the start of the COVID-19 pandemics, we have been in Maxis solicited by more than 40 global clients to talk about our wellness solution, and some of them were not necessarily existing clients. So a surge in requests, a surge in interest about actually rolling out global solutions. So of course, captive is uh, for me the best way to be able to uh, speed up this uh, global approach. Well, I like the word surge because it has a sort of a second meaning as well. I think there is a surge prompted in this space, and I just I just say this: we've implemented three captives in the last. 12 months, uh, end of last year, basically, in different regions of the world. But these captives are EB only. They may they may morph into to, yeah. to wider non-life and life captives, but the business case was big enough for these companies to implement a captive for EB. And a lot of it has been part prompted by what pandemic has brought and what the company now needs to do in terms of the offerings to its employees in terms of benefit. So I just, yeah, I, I, we've seen a surge as well. Well, thank you to Mathieu Roux and Mark Cook for a very comprehensive and enlightening 20 minutes on a fascinating topic and I think particularly interesting to hear at the end there about a number of EB-only captives being formed. More on that on the podcast and in the magazine in the future, I am sure. If you want to find out more about our guests and Maxis Employee Benefits, then do be sure to visit the globalcaptivepodcast.com website and check out our guests and friend of the podcast pages. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives. Mm -hmm.